Welcome to Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers. I'm Cameron Irwin, alongside DeMarco Farr and JB Long. We've played a little musical chairs here today. JB is over there. If there's anything I've yeah. learned from like Formula One, it's that when you can upgrade the driver in your car, you make that move. Wow. No matter at the expense of who you have to kick out. So I, I see. I feel like Matthew Stafford. I got a new left tackle. You're over there. Now you're over here. What the heck? Come on. Take the wheel. Well, let's dig into this. It's uh, all about the Arizona Cardinals this week mm. as we prepare for week number six. But some big news hit the Los Angeles Rams on Tuesday, and that is that Van Jefferson has been traded to the Atlanta Falcons. I think before I catch your reactions to the news, we best go to Sean McVay and hear what he had to say about Van Jeff. What I would say is every situation is a little bit different. So I don't think you want to pigeonhole yourself into saying this is, you know, the standard operating procedure. But it was special because of who he is, the way he's handled himself, the unique circumstances that presented themselves that, you know, you had some other guys that have done a really good job. You get Cooper back in the mix and he's a really capable player. You know, even when I said to you guys the other day, I didn't anticipate him playing two snaps, but I think he felt like those opportunities would be better for him. He's in the last year of his contract. Um, and, and that was something that we felt like we were kind of able to accommodate both sides. It's also a reflection of the confidence I have in the totality of the receiver group. There's some other guys that, you know, outside of just, you know, Tutu and Puka and getting Cooper back that have done a really nice job. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's bittersweet, you know, because I'm really happy for Van and I know he's excited about it, but, but I love Van and, um, you know, and he was a good player for us. I think one of the biggest questions after hearing the thoughts of Sean McVay, as well as so many others, and, and their love, their appreciation for what Van has done for the Los Angeles Rams, you have to beg the question and also respect the fact that it's fair to say this actually serves both parties as he heads off to the Falcons. Is that fair, DeMarco? I hope so. Look, I, I wish the best. I hope the best for Van Jefferson. He one of my favorite Rams, period, all time. One of the greatest guys, you know, that I've ever seen play this game on this football team. So you wish him the best. But let's just be honest. I mean, when Cooper Cup went down and you had to field other guys, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, and then uh, Van Jefferson. Uh, eventually, when Cooper Cup got healthy and came back to the field, one of you guys was going to rotate to the bench. So the competition began there. So I will ask you guys, can you take Puka Nakua off the field at this point? How about Tutu Atwell? Okay, well, it had to be Van Jefferson. So if they have to move on, then it is what it is. Uh, you had your opportunities. We're going to miss him. Uh, we're going to wish him well down the line, but... This is professional ball. Things like this happen. You guys know this, that I, I feel strong that Van Jefferson is one of the nicest professional athletes I've ever had the privilege of covering. Uh, in his short time with the Rams, relatively speaking, he had some indelible moments. Like he will always go down as having Matthew Stafford's first touchdown reception as a Ram. Uh, one of my favorite nuggets is that last year he caught three touchdowns from three different quarterbacks, <laughs> none of whom were named Matthew Stafford, wow. including the game winner from Baker Mayfield on that uh, unforgettable night against Las Vegas. Uh, but I think for this specific receiving room, he had become the insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And Sean McVay kind of touched on that yesterday by also saying, in no way did our receiver room or our team get better yep. by trading Van Jefferson. But I think the 2023 Rams in context are not about maintaining their insurance premiums. They're kind of YOLO for this year, right? Mm -hmm. And And if there's an opportunity to claw back some financial resources to deploy later this season or to roll into next season and to make a good young man happy and give him a chance to thrive as a professional, 
then yeah, you do it even at the expense of maybe the competitive greatness of this specific moment in time for this group. And he may go right to the top of the charts in Atlanta. Think about that. You can make Desmond Ritter look better. Absolutely. Yeah. Beat, a veter- beat a veteran, be be consistent, be that guy. You may see 80 passes a year. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned how it serves both the Los Angeles Rams as well as Van Jefferson. So let's head on to Matthew Stafford. I had some fun this week as we talk about the numerous weapons that this offense now possesses. However, I think it's fair to say that at times, instead of weapons, we can think of them more as tools. Now, with Cooper Cup and his season debut just a week ago, there was a lot of questions. What will this offense look like? So when you consider some of your quote-unquote tools, what are they building between Kyron, Cooper, Puka, and Tutu? Is the picture any clearer? I think you you have the offense starting to round in the form. I like what I saw versus Philadelphia. I didn't like the result, but offensively, I liked what I saw. Uh, I saw a defense that didn't know how to cover up both of these receivers plus Tutu, and they kept leaving guys one-on-one, which is exactly what you expect. So as long as you continue to improve in the run game, Kyron Williams, and stay with it, stay with the run game, keep those defenses honest and off balance. I think this passing game with Matthew Stafford, who can get it to anywhere, from anywhere, from any arm slot, with receivers that can get open and win one-on-one, and with a coach that knows how to get guys open, I think you saw the embryo stage of a very explosive offense. Hopefully, it comes around this weekend versus Arizona. Now, you mentioned Kyron and some interesting nuggets because he had 13 carries, 53 yards, but one of the biggest difference for Ky- differences for Kyron in this past game was actually his pass blocking. He improved from the Colts from a grade of 29-4 to 81-4. That's substantial. So even though he's maybe not seeing the same amount of production, mm. that has to speak volumes in terms of where this offense is going, JB. Yeah, I think you're getting to the same thing I am, which is like latent potential, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to punt on the question, but can I answer like, what are they building yeah. Sunday at like 5 p.m.? Because a lot <laughs> of it depends on whether they have that complete explosive performance and they get a win to get back to three and three against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we all see that it's there. I think they probably have their best five in place up front as the foundation for whatever this house is that they're building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for once, they're going to have uh, the crowd and the count in their favor. You know, I think the fact that they've been operating for five weeks with a silent count against some of the most ferocious pass rushes in the National Football League is probably being understated. Mm. Um, So when Matthew can get to the line and manipulate a little bit better, they can fire off the ball, hopefully run the ball in some more favorable game circumstances. Yeah, I think it's all there to put 30, 40 points on the board. But until they do it, until they show that they can play four quarters, not just a half. I'm not ready to go there just yet, I guess I would say. I, I'm I'm with you, but I like this starting five offensive line. I really do. And it I, I think things kind of shook out the way they, they were supposed to with the way this left tackle situation looks with Alark Jackson coming back. And I keep saying I love Kevin Dawson in this lineup because he is absolutely massive. Compare that to Steve Avila. Now you've got an offensive line that is intimidating and can come off the rock and move people down the field, which will open up play action. So hopefully, like you said, Cooper Cup will be better. Puka Nakua gets better. And Tutu Outwell keeps coming along. This offense has a chance to be explosive. I will say, I don't think it'll take more than the seven days between Philadelphia and Arizona for 9 and 10 to iron out whatever that slight disconnect was, especially on their vertical shots. Agreed. Well, and Stafford talked about it himself. And I think to direct quote him was something about there was still meat left on the bone in regards to... Cooper Cup, as well as Puka Nakua mm-hmm. and some of the connections just from a week ago. 118 receiving yards for Cooper Cup in his debut. 
I mean, so impressive. Even the 14.8 yards per reception. I mean, the numbers are staggering. We're so accustomed to it now for Cooper Cup. But yeah, the sky's the limit. Let's get that guy in the end zone. We can play with props, right? I just <laughs> I keep looking at this football. I want to touch it. But no, I, I think the one encouraging thing was watching Cooper Cup the way he played. And I, you were back in the booth for this. There was one where Matthew Stafford <laughs> missed him over his head. But I said the most encouraging thing about that play, even though it was incomplete, was watching Cooper Cup throw into six gear yeah, and actually get faster, right. which means that hamstring is feeling better. So whatever warts you had week one for him, he's going to be guaranteed to be better week two. You know, margin for error is the phrase that keeps getting tossed around press conferences and our conversations with these Rams as coaching staff. And it's true. It's very much the case. But if you could flip a switch and like hit that seam ball to two, two out well, mm. or, or you just put a little bit more air under one, to Cooper Cup, like we might be talking about a different record and a different dynamic this week, but that's okay. We, we said going into the Eagles game, it was another measuring stick opportunity. You had one against San Francisco, not there yet. Had one against the Eagles, not there yet. There are more coming. It's okay to not be there yet. So long as, like you said, Cameron, you have everything in your arsenal you need to get there. And in their current phase, I think the Rams do. Yeah. Meat on the bone. Is that another way of saying wasting food? I've never left meat on the bone. Me either. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. It was all steak and potatoes. You had to make sure you ate your meal through and through. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on. I think each week it's fair as we're two and three currently in terms of expectations. We need to readdress this. What are the worthy expectations of mm. this team? And J- JB, I know you've been considering kind of the playoff picture here. Yeah. How do we get there? Well, I mean, I think if you if you take the 30,000-foot view, are there seven or eight more wins on the Rams' schedule uh, to get them to the postseason? I, I think so. Uh, and without naming them specifically, I think they'll have their shots. And as long as they keep bringing these efforts to the park each week, I think if you lock in for the long haul and you set a course this week with a win over the Arizona Cardinals, I do think the results will take care of themselves because the underlying metrics say that the Rams are solidly in that NFL middle class, and they are one of the better teams in the NFC, at least specifically. Um, It's too early to call this a must win, but I think it falls solidly in the can't lose category if those are your expectations. But I say that all in the backdrop of they're doing it not with one hand tied behind their back, but with a very conscientious restraint on how they use their resources. Mm. I told DeMarco this morning, like to me, the salary cap has always been a little bit like Santa Claus. You can debate whether or not they exist, but someone's putting those presents under the tree. <laughs> right? That's a great way to and put so it. And so you have to decide yeah. um, where and how to use your resources. Mm-hmm. And so if the Rams get on a little heater here yeah. and they win the next two or three out of the next four, like might you have some food for thought? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But I also think you have to embrace the context of what the Rams are trying to do with you know how much of their salary cap is, is not being – Uh, is not playing for this roster currently. You know, I've been on teams, Rams teams, that have given up hope before I got here. They they let go of the championship aspirations a long time before I became a Ram. I think that's different here. I still think they're holding on to it. They're trying to rebuild and contend at the same time, which I think is great. It's the hardest way to go. It really is. The easiest thing is to strip it down and draft and try to start over. You're still trying to hang on here, and I respect that big time. So, And I've seen teams that have given up uh, doing this job, broadcasting. They've just kind of let it go. We're going to let this thing rebuild and let it play out. It's not going on here. They're still trying to win football games. They almost beat Philadelphia, had their opportunities, meet on the bone. They could have beat San Francisco, two of the best teams in the NFC. They played the Niners better than the Rams. Absolutely. So this team, Sean McVay, is still holding on to championship aspirations, even though most people think it's a pipe dream. 
And I really respect that. And that's it because yeah. he sets the thermometer, the, mm -hmm. the thermostat, you know, and, and his thermostat is still set to go mode. Mm -hmm. I, I said to him the other night, you know, you're undefeated against teams that weren't in the final four last year in the National Football League. The only teams that have beaten you mm -hmm. were in their conference championship game. So whether or not you think the Rams are finally in a this is a game they can win type of portion of their schedule remains to be seen how they play against the Arizonas, the Pittsburghs of the world. We shall see. Um but it's it's okay to to ride the roller coaster of emotions and have high expectations because the guy who normally sits on this side of the room, Sean McVay, mm -hmm. what's plaguing plaguing too strong a word? What's hindering the twenty three Rams is not at all related to what happened last year. No doubt, it's a much different feel. Well, you talked about Sean setting the temperature and also expectations, and it feels as if the expectations have shifted or maybe been somewhat shifted from a media landscape, right? So through the first five games. However, I think what's more important to ask is not the expectations of the outside, but the belief on the inside. And you said the same thing. Sean sets the tone and the temperature. But DeMarco, do you see that among this roster? Is, is there the belief? Because some might say it's been there the entire time. I've heard it. I've seen it. And <clears throat> I'm expecting it on game day this weekend because this is the right opponent for you. Absolutely. Um, San Francisco, Philadelphia, those are, you know, championship contenders, number one teams in the NFC, and you hung with them. Arizona is the exact opposite. They really are. They're struggling. They're new. It's a new regime there. They don't have Kyler Murray. John Connor is hurt. So this is a game where you absolutely should dominate. Your roster looks better than theirs. Your quarterback is better than theirs. You have Aaron Donald. They don't. So this is a game where you need to turn it up at SoFi and absolutely run over this football team. So I know I've heard from the players. I've heard it from the coaches. Now it's time to see it in SoFi versus this football team. Yeah, I think belief stems from consistent performances. Mm -hmm. And I know that's an area where the Los Angeles Rams are looking to put four quarters together and find that consistency and only build upon that belief. But I'm glad you kind of seg me, segued me into the next topic, mm -hmm. which is we have to talk defense for the LA Rams. I and just did. I know. We're gonna talk, <laughs> we're gonna talk some more defense because one of the biggest elements, also Bobby Brown out now five to seven weeks. Uh we need a nose tackle. Who's gonna fill the void? And there's been a lot of conversation, obviously, some of the weight disparity between what he was and what there is available. Why are you looking at me? I'm retired. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, on the way in to the studio, I did uh, see Kobe Turner walking through the hallway and he's got the headphones on. He's heading to his meetings. He's about his business. And I love that. He's got the same demeanor as Aaron Donald. He really does. Uh, he's so humble and he just shows up to work every day. So even without the size and the strength and the 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 the, the, the oomph of Bobby Brown, I think Kobe Turner is a guy that's ready to take off. And I think he's ready to handle more reps. And I think he's ready to be that sidekick for Aaron Donald, wherever they put him. And Aaron's been playing nose and inside. So there's a, a lot of things you can do schematically to kind of cover up the fact that you don't have your best nose tackle. But I would bet he would be the guy that benefits more from the absence of Bobby Brown. I hate losing Bobby. I'm glad that it's not season ending. Yes. I'm glad that he at least got to play against the Philadelphia Eagles because if we were dealing with this problem going into last week, I'd be a lot more concerned. Um, I don't know to your to your question what the answer is, whether it's internal or external. It wouldn't be fair to Mike Hoyt, but do you put him on the seafood diet and say get back on the north side of 300 pounds and move back inside and let's let some wow. of these rookies get reps <laughs> on the edge? Yeah. Um, this all speculation on, on my part, um, but it's going to put a lot more on the backs of – uh, the Kobe's, the Jonah Williams, Laurel Murchison a bit mm -hmm. dinged up this week, but um, ultimate next man up 
predicament. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And we also have to address something we saw. We talk about Aaron Donald, but against the Eagles, and rightly so, a formidable opponent and also constantly getting mm-hmm. double teamed. But it wasn't the normal AD performance that we had seen. It was actually the lowest pass rush grade that he has had in his entire career. Wow. However, that speaks volumes more so, in my mind, to what's not happening on the opposite side of him, as well as the amount of front that he's seeing in terms of being double teamed. Absolutely. And one more thing, merch can't be hurt. Not this stage in your career. Even you were banged up, you're going. No, it's your best look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the way you're going. But AD, I don't think it was more of what AD wasn't doing. I think it was more of what Philly was doing and what they can do. Um, they play keep away better than anyone in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts is a tough guy to try to bring down, especially when you're seeing two and three guys, when their whole protection scheme is to keep you away from him. And then you have a guy like Hertz, even if you get through, can still get out. That would just frustrate the heck out of you. But it, it was a situation where <clears throat> you reduced Aaron Donald to playing a grunt role. And even in that role, he was great. Four tackles. I think he <laughs> led the D-line and was close uh, in tackles. And he was great doing that. But like I said, going into this week versus Arizona, this is where Aaron makes an example of people who doubt him. So... Philadelphia is one thing. This will be another come Sunday. And JB, I know that you've got some numbers, Aaron Donald versus Arizona. I mean, this could shape up to be very dangerous for the Cardinals. Yeah, outside of maybe Russell Wilson, uh, no one has been the victim of his torment more since he entered this league than, than the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm with DeMarco. When you have six Philadelphia eyes and 850 Philadelphia pounds assigned to you, the results aren't going to be great. Not to say that we haven't seen him work miracles throughout his career, even despite those circumstances. I don't know if the data supports this, but anecdotally, it felt like they actually got Hurts off his spot. They just couldn't tackle him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like some of what I saw from O'Shawn Mathis. I think Byron Young continues to impact the opposing passer, but bringing him down is a different story. And I think tackling writ large has been an issue for this Rams defense is part of why they've had trouble getting off the field and why a Philadelphia can chew up as much time of possession as, as they did last week. So, um, Will you give us the Arizona offensive line profile? Oh, no. See, can we do that now? (laughs) What did I say? UTEP, UMass, and Arkansas by way of Denmark. That's the Arizona offensive line from guard to guard. Okay, this is set up for AD to maul people. So that's what we expect. And Dobbs is is not Hertz or Richardson, though he is still among Arizona's leading rushers. And I think you have to respect his ability to move and relocate the pocket and scramble, as well as the threat that Rondell Moore and the Cardinals have put on tape with doing some direct snap misdirection offense. And a note to Byron Young. uh, He was the only edge guy that was able to track down Jalen Hurts. Like when he did break and tame, the only one that was able to either hit him or at least pull him up from the sideline was Byron Young. So if you can play like that against him versus this offense, you should dominate. And you guys just kind of touched on it, but tackling, that's an area that the Rams, they kind of need to improve. Is that fair to say? DeMarco? Oh, absolutely. We had this little mini debate in the booth. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> Kobe Durant. No, he threw everything he had oh, he at Swift. Shot. Absolutely. Yeah. The guy just broke the tackle. So, I mean, better tackling, get the guy on the ground. I get it. Sometimes they just don't fall down. But absolutely, uh, if you want to just break it down to base defense on a th- in a third down situation, you can't miss tackles, especially when you tag the guy short of the first down. That's what he's talking about, getting off the field. That helped them stay on and wore you out. So, yeah, you have to improve your tackle. But I don't know what you say to a guy like Kobe Durant when you fire everything you got and he just don't fall. You know, hit them harder. <laughs> you know, it just it is what it is. But tackling will be an issue and you have to be better. No doubt. 
Yeah, areas just in terms of a pr- improvement, but bright spots in terms of the defense. You mentioned a couple names that have definitely come into the mix, but in terms of the Rams secondary, what are your thoughts, JB, as to what we are, what we have seen and what we need to see heading into week six? The love and spoonful, man. How good a signing was Akella Witherspoon? <laughs> no Three doubt. weeks in a row, he's come away with the takeaway when the Rams absolutely had to have it to keep their game chances on the line. Um, Duke Shelley, nice end zone pass breakup. I wonder if he wins some more opportunities. Uh, I think we've yet to see the best uh, of the Rams safety level. And I think Yeast and Fuller will really start to shine this week. That's kind of my my high level survey. I'm a I'm still a DK fan. Anybody? Yeah, anybody? I still love watching the kid play. <laughs> Talk your trash, man. Go ahead. You know, Do your thing. He's a volatile yeah. stock, but if you buy yeah. at the right time, you know, like yeah. he's had some good weeks. And, Let's not discount what he's done against some really good receivers. And AJ Brown is no slouch. And he's a guy that will come right back at you. So, yeah, that was a street fight, but I, I'm still in the DK corner, no doubt. All right, well, let's set our eyes now to the next matchup uh, versus the Cardinals. This offense is going to look potentially different than what we've seen. It's a top-two run game uh, in consideration. However, James Conner out now versus the Rams. They've brought in and added Tony Jones from the Saints this past week. Uh, Mercado, the rookie undrafted, had a heck of a game a week ago. How, however... How would this offense maybe evolve versus the Rams this week? Uh, great question. Um, outside of some Wildcat stuff. And Hollywood Brown gets open. He is an issue. He really does. Uh, now, if you're Raheem Morris, if you're this defense, I, I would bet that I could get to the quarterback ver- faster than he can get open, or I could force the bad pass, and maybe something bad will happen for them. But, yeah, I mean, it would be a shame if you allow the Arizona Cardinals to run the football this week. It really would be a shame because I think you force this game on to Dobbs' shoulder and see if he can beat you with his arm and then get after him. And I think that's how you win this football game. But it starts with stopping the run. And they don't have James Conner. Like I said, this would be a shame if you allow them to run the football in any fashion. If Zach Ertz is on your fantasy football team, is he a stardom or a sit for you this week? Oh, stardom. You know that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely because a stardom. Because of what Goddard did and because of what the Colts did with their tight ends? Well, or? this is the pros, okay? So if they're making money, Philadelphia made money throwing against your linebackers and safeties, then the next team is going to do it until you stop it. And Ertz, okay, he's older. Yeah, so but, the, the actual yeah. current Philadelphia tight end got you last week. You better believe that the former tight end is going to try his hand against you this week. You don't think he told his coach, hey, coach, look, no, <laughs> tight ends win against them. That's kind of what I'm, yeah. what I'm driving at. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Where, where might they look to try and find and have some success? And that's the other thing. Ernest Jones, I think, had a fantastic game. 15 tackles, three tackles for loss. You would think he dominated if you th- didn't watch the game. But what choice did you have when you were on the field so long? Somebody's got to make those plays. But they're going to come after both linebackers with those tight ends and backs out of the backfield. It's, it's almost a guarantee based on what you put on film. You both have mentioned Rondell Moore a couple times, the direct snap. He just was lights out on that play. I think it was over 40 yards a week ago. Hollywood Brown is also somebody that you have to pay attention to. Really impressive what he did against the Bengals. But also a name, Joshua Dobbs said this in his presser just a day ago. Michael Wilson might be a target they look to, a rookie wide receiver. He only had one reception, however, versus the 49ers. He had two touchdowns. I know you know a little history about Michael Wilson. Yeah, it's great. What skill set does he have? When when he's healthy, he's been a force to be reckoned with throughout his career. I'm I'm glad to see him thriving Mm -hmm. uh, in that offense. Look, if Arizona can beat Dallas, they can walk into SoFi Stadium and beat the Rams. Uh, if if 23 has reminded us of anything, it's that the transitive property just does not hold in football <laughs> because somehow the Cowboys embarrassed the Giants, wow. got embarrassed by the Cardinals, yep. 
Yeah, you you just don't know in this you, game. Just, <laughs> just right. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. I will say though, watching that film, Joe Burrow looked like Joe Burrow again last week. What he did with Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, I think they found their secret sauce for the year. Yeah, yeah. So so don't take any fool's gold from the fact that Cincinnati went in there and got him last week. I mean, Hollywood Long. Yeah, that's no. Hollywood Irwin said nobody. Else. Oh like, no, Trenton Irwin. No, I'm just Trenton. I'm just yeah. thinking like Hollywood. When you throw that yeah. name around, you better be. Yeah. You better be bad. But he yeah. he's a guy that can absolutely get open and give you problems if Dobbs has time to throw the football. He yeah. did his own version of the the Lambo leap. Yeah. In Glendale <laughs> last week, and the Cardinals were trying to figure out what to name that the, the bird bath. Or... <laughs> Once in a blue moon. <laughs> oh man, he's a problem though. You're right. Keep an eye on. Yes. <laughs> Well, now that we've talked Cardinals offense, let's head over to the defense. And an interesting note came in Matthew Stafford's presser just a day ago. And I think it's time we take a look at what he said about the Cardinals defense. They play with a reckless abandon. I mean, they are flying around off the tape. You see it. They play hard. They play for each other. They're physical at the point. Um, You know, it's a little bit of a unique style of a defense um, when you look at it. uh, you know, I'm not sure there's many other teams in the league that are kind of running what they're running um, in some form or fashion. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what sticks out to me is the effort that they play with, um, the physicality that they play with, guys capping people off and, and playing at a high level. So um, it's going to be a big challenge for us. It's, um, you know, a little bit of a different look, a little nuanced defense, um, and at the same time, guys that are running around flying, hitting the ball carriers. So it's uh, it's a big challenge. He said it reckless abandonment that's the type of defense that's going to be on the other side he also said it's a unique style of defense i mean what style is it what do we know about this defense it's multiple they move uh they line up they stunt they slant i mean they just try to throw everything at you to mess up your count and pass protection and get as many guys to the quarterback as they can but they're going to be down buda baker and he's one of the best safeties in the game and he has been a ram killer so and their pass rush dare i say lacks some fang you know what i mean so i think this is the opportunity for the rams to run the football keep them honest make them exhaust their playbook and then get after them throwing the football because i don't think they'll be able to cover you up in the passing game i mean i think buddha's been the best cardinal defender for a while now to Mm -hmm. my eye he's kind of the air traffic controller that keeps it all together uh that he won't play and that maybe his fellow safety jalen thompson may be out as well definitely plays in the rams favor i truthfully am not smart enough to know exactly what matthew stafford was talking about in that soundbite (laughs) but i know i'm anxious to find out um in terms of how he and the rams attack this arizona defense and and it is kind of a, an interesting scheduling quirk to me that you're running the, the Philadelphia gauntlet a little bit. Mm-hmm. You played the offensive branch of that tree with Steichen and the Colts. Then you played the current version of the Eagles last week. And now you get the defensive version with Gannon and the Cardinals. I'm not saying he's going to be able to mimic what Philadelphia did defensively against the Rams last week. I don't think he's got Jalen Carter, a defensive tackle, thankfully. But... Would you be surprised if they swapped a few notes this week? If, no. if there were a few text messages exchanged in Not terms at all. of getting the best practices together? No, I think that's a fair assessment. It's interesting, too, because I read some some commentary on this defense for the Cardinals and how it has shifted potentially under Gannon, even compared to what he was doing with the Eagles because of the personnel that Got is to. now with the Cardinals. Yeah. So some big-time adjustments defensively there. Let's talk about some keys to victory. We want to see the Rams get back to 500. What do they have to do to get it done? You want to go? You go. Mine, it's easy. It's two guys. Stafford, Donald. There's your keys to victory right there. <laughs> your best players play the best on Sunday. You should wipe the floor with this football team. 
You got two players, I got two quarters. The Rams have to come alive in the second half. Since flying home from week one and a nearly flawless second half against Seattle in that victory, they've been the worst team in the NFC after the halftime. And I don't have any explanation for it. I don't think it's just as simple as halftime adjustments. Peyton Manning once said there's no such thing as a halftime adjustment in the National Football (laughs) League because you don't have time anyway. Um, But they got to close out a game. They got to put together a complete game. They need to uh, dominate the football and put points on the board in the third and the fourth quarters and make sure that they don't give Arizona hope of an upset. Peyton said that? I think so. I bet he was ahead a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there is no adjustment when you're ahead. Right. <laughs> uh, for me, I think one of the keys to victory is the response on the defensive side of the ball. I mm. want to see the defense get a little angry. And especially, you know, us sitting here talking about some of the areas that they're still growing. It's youthful, right? This is yeah. a youthful group. Apart, apart from some of those, obviously, Aaron Donald in the mix. But I want to see an angry defense out there. And I want to see them prove everyone wrong. So I'm going to look for an adjustment there just in terms of getting after some pe- people, whether it's the defensive line or even DK coming yeah. up with a big time game. I think that's going to be pivotal. I love the emotion. Let's make plays. And too. how about a yeah. rowdy emotional crowd at SoFi Stadium? Too? Yeah. If you're able, hope to uh, see you there in Inglewood. It'd be nice to uh, make the opponent deal with a little bit of uh, silent count of their own against the Rams this week. Like it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's time for Rams fans to show up in SoFi. We, we can't go. wait to have you for this game versus the Cardinals. Thanks for joining us on Between the Horns, brought to you by our Southern California Toyota dealers. <laughs>